says it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And you think, well, why is that important? Because last week, Josh had a word about Ezekiel. The Lord, as we were worshiping, the Lord just really brought me back to that. Because this week, I've been studying in Daniel chapter 2, and I've been studying in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, just spending time with the Lord. We uh, went last week, we were out of town at another person's house, and they had one of these big family Bibles, and it was laid open. And uh, it was laid open to Daniel chapter 2, and I thought, well, that's pretty wild. Normally, you have a big Bible open up to Psalms or something like that, but it was laid open to Daniel chapter 2. And it's in that passage where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And uh, he, in that dream, he was troubled. And he, went, he brought all his, basically it was his fortune tellers, his necromancers, the Chaldeans is what they were called. But it was the uh, psychic hotline. <laughs> Just to be clear, bring it to today. And he said... Come and tell me what I dreamed and what the interpretation of it is. (laughs) And they were like, well, if you tell us what you dreamed, then we'll tell you what it means. He said, you're not pulling my leg. He said, you're just wasting time. I like that. That's cool. He said, you don't have a clue pretty much. Here's what he was saying. This is Todd's annotated version, okay? You won't find this in Daniel chapter 2, but it is in mine when I write it. But what he was saying pretty much is, you're just wasting time because you're clueless, and you know if I can tell you what I dreamed, then you'll make something up, and you're trying to deceive me. That's what he said. He said, no, if you really do what you say you do, then tell me my dream and the interpretation of it. But if you don't, I'm going to cut you into little pieces (laughs) and kill a lot of you, kill all of you. But if you do, I'm going to shower you with blessing. I'm going to shower you with finances. With every, you won't have to worry about anything. But you've got to tell me what it is. So if you read chapter 1, you'll see that Daniel, and it was, uh, I can't think of their Hebrew names, but they were given the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, it's, anyway, that was the names that was given to them by Nebuchadnezzar when they came in. But they had been taken captive because... Uh, Israel had been captured by Nebuchadnezzar. He was a wicked king. They captured him, and um, they were made eunuchs, which meant they couldn't have kids. Uh, he took that from them, and they were put in, you know, you've, we've all heard the story about Daniel uh, wouldn't eat the king's meat, and he was found, what, 10 times better, and he found favor in the prince of the eunuchs, because when he said, we're not going to eat the king's meat, there's reasons for that, difference. Different theologians say different things. Some say because their meat could have been sacrificed to idols. Some say it could have been because they were heathens and they wouldn't drain the blood before they would eat it. They would strangle it and eat it with the blood in it. And the Lord said, don't do that. There was, you know, we look at those things and some of those things we go, well, that was just crazy. But there was purpose in it. The Lord had a purpose in it in that time. But he put it under the law so that they would, wouldn't kill themselves off with pestilence and stuff like that. Anyway. Daniel said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to eat it. And so they ate a vegetarian diet. Now, before you vegetarians get all excited, it wasn't God saying that's the only way you can eat. Get any witnesses on that. Amen. But it wasn't what God was saying. But what they were saying is, no, we've set ourselves apart. And you know what? The Bible is clear in saying under the new covenant that Paul said, I'm free to do whatever I want to. But not all things are expedient. 
not all things bring life. So that ought to be a word to us. We're free. God said, we're not, he said, don't observe one day over the other. Paul was very clear on that. You know, we've talked about that before in here that, but Paul also said, I won't do anything that'll be a stumbling block to somebody else. I won't do anything that could cause me to be a stumbling block to somebody else. And that's the, that's the line to me, is that we're free. He has set us free. We're free. He trusts us. If, go figure. <laughs> he trusts us. He said, I've given you my spirit, and my spirit will teach you. But we have to be sensitive. We have to be listening. We have to be learning. And Daniel said, I'm not going to touch that thing. I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to just eat. It says pulse, but it, what it literally meant was a vegeta- vegetarian diet. But anyway, they found him 10 times better looking. I know. I, you probably think I eat all vegetarian <laughs> no, but I don't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Y'all need to laugh. Somebody need to wake up. But they were found 10 times smarter, 10 times wiser. So, but they were lumped in with these Chaldeans, with the, the soothsayers and all that. So the word came to Daniel that these guys who've been high up in this, they're clueless, and, and the king's going to kill all of us. So Daniel went before the king, and he said, give me some time, and the Lord will tell me what it is. Don't you love that? Daniel didn't say, hey, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. He said, the Lord will tell me. I was, uh, it was so cool. I started reading in Daniel chapter 2 last week. And this week, one of the devotionals that I, I read every morning, it talked about Daniel chapter 2. And um, one of the teachings that I was listening to this week talked about Daniel chapter 2. Don't you love the way the Lord does that? I hope he does that for you. He does it for me. It might be because I'm special. <laughs> he wants to get it to me. But I was listening to Daniel chapter 2, and one of the things that was said is that nowhere prior to this did we see that Daniel operated in a gift of word of knowledge or, or prophecy or dream interpretation. We don't see that. But when, when, Daniel, when this verdict came down, Daniel said, let's go to the Lord and he'll give us Daniel pressed into the Lord, and we know through the story, Daniel chapter 2, you can go read it today. It would be awesome. But Daniel went to the king. He told him the dream. He said, here's what you dreamed, and here's what the interpretation of it means. So Daniel got a word from the Lord. How? Because he acknowledged, God, you can do this. And what was so cool when I was listening to someone teach, they said, you don't see any of this in Daniel's life prior to this. But when he went to the Lord and said, Lord, this is what we need. We need to hear from you that right then God activated something in him. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. It was funny. It was awesome. But I was listening to Bill Johnson who was teaching on it. He said he had a friend. And I, what I can understand from the message, he just gave a little short testimony about it, is that this friend must have worked under Mario Murillo. And this friend, he said he was a young guy, very young, very new in ministry, and said that he had, was going to speak at this church. He got off the plane, and the pastor picked him up and said, you're not Morris Murillo, Mario Murillo. He said, no, nope, I'm not. He said, well, our church is at a place. We're believing God for signs, wonders, and miracles, and that's why we expected him to be here, and, it, and you're not him. He said, nope. He said, do you have a, a ministry of signs, wonders, and miracles? He said, nope. He said, well, you've got about two or three hours. You better get one. He said, because we're bringing you to the church, and that's what we're believing for. And he said, this young guy just went before the Lord and said, Lord, you sent me here. 
you've opened this door. I can't do this, but you can. And he said from that day forward, that young man, his ministry exploded. He didn't say who he was. He said his ministry exploded. And everywhere he went, guess what followed? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Because he was presented an opportunity instead of backing away. He said, Lord, I'll do what you've called me here to do. And I look at that, and and the reason I tie all that in, because as we were worshiping Ezekiel chapter 37, you thought I had gotten lost. But last week, Josh gave that word about Ezekiel 37, about the bones, you know, the valley of dry bones. Y'all familiar with that? And uh, in, in Ezekiel 37, verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Pause. <laughs> you know, here's, if you've ever heard me speak, you know my heart is that we not just say we're going to be about the community, but that we serve in the community. That we go out, and that community could be where you work, it could be anywhere, but that we infiltrate sounds so militant, but that we go in as who God has called us to be, and then we just be us there. Here's one thing I want you to understand. You don't see it in this passage. You don't see it in the Word of God. We cannot make people our projects. That's religion on steroids. Do you hear me? We cannot make, make people our projects to say, well, I'm going to get so-and-so saved. And they, they lose their humanity and their spirit being to you, and they just become a project of somebody you've got to win over. Do you know what you do then? You get into religion, you become manipulative. Because what you're trying to do is trying to make them be born again or make them say a prayer, and you don't care anything about them other than, well, I've got to get this person born again. And it could have started out with a genuine heart to know and see them come to know the Lord, but it's so easy to make somebody a project. Are you tracking with me? It's so easy to look at the world and see how dry it is and see how dead it is and say, well, I'm going to win the world for Jesus and make people projects, and you just want to get them born again and not see them come to know him. Not really come into salvation. This is a verse that uh, Romans 5, 17, very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, For by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Verse 18, Therefore, as by one offense... uh, By the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. You know what's powerful about this passage of Scripture? One of the things that, well, first, verse 17, it says, By one man death reigned on all, much more those who receive the the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one Christ Jesus. And... um, Verse 18, he says, even so, uh, the judgment came upon all men, even so by the righteousness of one, that the gift came upon all men unto justification. That word upon there, it literally means uh, into. It means that it came into, but, and I just lost it. I was so excited. Verse 17, and I can't tell you, uh, yes, hallelujah. (laughs) Verse 17 
For they, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. That word receive there, it doesn't mean that you're sitting there and somebody put something on you. You know what it literally means in the Greek? It means take. It means take. So what are you saying? <laughs> I can tell that's what you're thinking by the looks on your face. What are you saying? He said this, through one man, death reigned on all. But through one, righteousness was given where you can reign in life. But if you're going to reign in life, you got to take it. It's not going to be just because you sit back, go to church and say, I know Jesus, praise the Lord. It's because you take what belongs to you. That's literally what that word receive should mean take. It, in, the, in, the, um, in the Greek, the word is lambano, and it means this. That sounded more Spanish than Greek. We're going to the DR in the next month. But it means this. Yeah, go to the bathroom. In Spanish it does, but that doesn't know what it means in Hebrew. It, listen, it means this. To take with the hand, to lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. And the next meaning is to take in order to carry away. With notion, without the notion of violence, it literally means to take what belongs, not violently. You don't have to take, listen, you don't have to violently take from the Lord what he's already given. But what you do have to say is, I take this place of righteousness in him so that I can reign with him, and I won't just sit back and let society and religion tell me I'm not something that he says that I am. Why is that important? We're going back to reaching the lost, because if you understand that he's conveyed upon, conveyed upon you the righteousness of God, that's a gift that you can reign in life, then people won't be projects. There'll be opportunities for you to pour out his love on them. Because you're not going after them to get a notch on your belt. You're not going after them to get approval of man. You're going simply because Christ first loved me. So you know what that means? That means I'm willing to sow into someone's life. I'm not looking for a quick prayer. It means I'm willing to do life with them, to walk in life while they're still in darkness, to walk in life with them. Because what I've seen in Christendom is we've, so we've put ourselves in a bubble. We call ourselves Christians, and we surround ourselves with Christians, and we get in a bubble where it's safe, and, and what we desire is conformity. Where everybody looks like me. Everybody talks like me. Everybody acts like me because that's safe. I believe that's a plague that's hit the church. It's a Toddism. But I believe it's a plague that's hit the church that we, people come in and they have a genuine conversion. And instead of discipling them to look like Jesus, we want them to look like us. And we want them to talk like us, dress like us, act like us. And we tell them all the things they can do and they can't do so that we don't feel threatened and they don't mess up this good thing we've got going. And I look at Jesus and what he did was just the opposite. He put a tax collector with a fisherman. Really? The, the fisherman who worked, toiled for everything he had. The tax collector who stole to get everything he had. That's what they did. I'm not talking about modern day. I'm talking about in that day, the tax collector. And well, the reason they were so despised is if you owed $10, they could demand $20 from you. And if you didn't pay it, they could have you put in jail. It didn't matter they demanded what didn't belong to you, what, what the government wasn't requiring. It was so corrupt, they didn't care. The government, they were working for the enemy. 
Let me just say this. The IRS is not the enemy. I knew it. I saw it flash up in some people's face. Let me take you this, too. The government is not the enemy. President Obama is not your enemy. As a matter of fact, if you're speaking curses over him, you're in sin more than him. Wow. I didn't say you have to approve of the decisions he made, but I did say that the word says that you pray for those who are in authority over you. And if we use our tongue to tear them down, then we're walking in direct rebellion to what the word says. Now, that's not popular, and that's not comfortable because when we don't see, I don't like how things are going, but here's what I know. Our, our Savior is not Barack Obama. Our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we, the body of Christ, quits cursing darkness and starts being light, things will change. As we really start serving people because we love them, not because we have an agenda, not because they're a project so we can say our church is bigger than the church down the road, but because we don't want to see them live in this life separated from what life really is. I'm preaching today, if you didn't notice. I left teaching a few minutes ago. I've shared before, it was years ago, I was a good old Baptist boy, didn't know anything about the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit, thought that the gifts died with the apostles because that's what I was taught, never chose to really read the Bible and see what it said because I was taught by good people. For those who are wondering, because I said that, read your Bible and, and find out about Stephen who was a deacon, he wasn't an apostle, and signs and wonders followed him. Amen. Amen. But I was a good little Baptist boy in Bible college, and I, you know, I say this a lot, that my wife, we've been married 25 years this August, and I've given her 15 of the best years of her life because the first 10 was rough. Not that we fought, not that we didn't have a good relationship, but I was so steeped in religion, trying to please God because I loved Him with all my heart, that every time a professor or pastor told me I was supposed to get rid of something or stop doing something, I would bring it home and try to enforce it on her. And I love my wife. I'm going to tell you, she's not one that you just push your opinion on. She won't try to make you like her, but you're not going to make her like you either. And I would come home and I'd say, well, honey, we can't listen to contemporary music because that's the devil. She said, you don't have to listen to contemporary music, but don't tell me what I'm going to do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we got to quit wearing shorts. You can quit wearing shorts if you want to. We got to get rid of the TV. It's the devil. It's the one-eyed devil. She said, you can choose not to watch TV, but you're not getting rid of our TVs. <laughs> now, it wasn't her telling me what to do. She just stood, and she said, show me. Here's what she said behind all that. She wasn't telling me what I couldn't do. She said, show me in the Bible what you're saying. And all I could say was, well, the professor, the, the teacher said, she said, show me in the Bible where it says that. So what I was doing is the traditions of men. Was heaping them and heaping them. But back in the midst of all that, I can remember, and I was thinking, and that was 20 years ago. And I was thinking about how bad the world is. You ever had one of those parties? One of those how bad the world is parties? You know, it's going to hell in a handbasket, and everybody jam- jumped in for the ride. And I was just talking about how dark, and you know, we get trained in prayer to curse darkness. We curse the darkness. We curse the devil, and he's already cursed. Jesus beat him. Amen. And we spend all our attention on darkness. And in the, in the, 
And the Lord spoke so clear to me. And I didn't even understand what that meant at that time. And he said, pretty much like this, how dare you curse the darkness when I've called you a light? What does that mean? We can spend all our attention on cursing darkness. When he said, I've called you a light, what does light do? It supersedes darkness. Light supersedes darkness. If you are just light like he's created us, you you don't have to curse darkness. You can be as light put in a situation, and you don't have to cuss, you don't have to tell, uh, condemn people who are cussing. You don't have to condemn people who aren't living like you're living. If you just be light, I've seen that over and over and over. In opportunities that I have in my life right now, I have had a couple individuals just tell me, "Say you're better because we're better because you're here." I haven't preached one time. I haven't gone on a rant. I hadn't cursed the devil and hadn't told him what heathens they were for cussing. I just go and I be light. And I love them and I serve them with the love of the Lord. Without an agenda. Not trying to put a notch on my belt. Without an agenda other than God, you have trusted me with these people. Help me love them like you love them. Not try to make them like me. And I've seen light affect darkness. I'm convinced we have a problem with evangelism because we don't understand what it is. Evangelism is signing the card in Christianity today for most people. But evangelism is loving people like Jesus loved them. Letting them see the love of the Father. Now, for some, that may be that it's at a place you, they're ready to say, I want to know this Jesus. But for the most part, it's us looking at a valley full of dry bones and not cursing them for being dry. Isn't it funny how we expect unsaved people to act saved? Right? And get offended when they don't. When they just do what they know to do. Right? We get offended. This, you know what's so cool about Daniel? Are you still with me? I'm back and forth. I'm in the dry bones. I'm in Daniel. But one thing that's so cool about Daniel is you see and you read about Daniel. When Nebuchadnezzar, when God said, all right, this is it. You're going you're gonna to be a wild beast. You're going to... You're done. If you study, Daniel's heart was broken. And he said, this word, King Nebuchadnezzar, let it not be for you, but let it be for your enemies. This was a wicked king. The same one that had told him, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. And Daniel said, no, we're not going to bow, and we're not going to burn. This is the same king that when the word came that you're going to be like a beast of the field, Daniel said, let this not be for you. Let it be for your enemies. Was it because he'd been treated so lovely? No, it was because he had a heart of the Lord for this king. Come on. If you don't hear anything else I got to say, hear that. What if we, just as the River Fellowship, got that kind of heart for the president and started praying? Does it look bad? Absolutely. You don't have to be a a theologian to look and see. It looks bad out there. You can listen to all the talk shows and watch all the TV shows, and they'll tell you how bad it is and how, how jacked up it is and that it's the Illuminati and it's this and all that. I don't care what it is. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. And if I set my attention on him and I shine as a light for him right here, 
it can, it can, I believe it can be a groundswell. It can be like that pebble in the water. It can hit and the ripples can go out. I just believe that. I believe that we right here in Gibsonville can, af- can affect Washington. I believe it. Daniel, I mean, in Ezekiel, we're back there now. <clears throat> Verse 3, he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the bones, to these bones. What? Isn't that awesome? Who the Lord chooses to talk to? Who did Jesus talk to? A tree. He talked to a fig tree. You know what? One better than that? He says he answered the fig tree. That meant the tree was talking to him. (laughs) I ain't even going to touch on that. I'm just going to let you deal with that yourself. But he said this, son of man, can these bones live? Wisdom right here saying, Lord, you know, (laughs) he didn't go into this big religious, oh, God, you art God. And he just said, Lord, you know. And then, you know, it's amazing how the Lord, when he gives you revelation, it's an invitation. Did you hear that? When he gives you revelation, it's an invitation to walk in that that he's revealing to you. And here in the... Ezekiel, he said, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, you know. And again, he said to me, then do something. You know what he said? Absolutely, he did. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, then you shall know I am the Lord. What's verse 7 said? So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. (laughs) I'm telling you, as we declare the word of the Lord over our workplace, as we declare the word of the Lord over our government, does that mean that our government's going to see a huge revival? And I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, you'll hear a rattling. You'll hear a shaking. And it's the Lord pulling his army together, bringing life. See, I want you to understand, they're not the enemy. They're deceived, and they're lost, they're broken, and they're hurting. Uh, I'm going to share somebody else's testimony. I could do that because I'm up here, but Jonathan shared a testimony with me the other day. He and River had an encounter. <laughs> they had been at a, a, one of River's games, I think it was, and they pulled up to a gas station, and this guy pulled up in front of them. They were sitting, and Jonathan said, I just kind of burn up and, uh, uh, from the sun, from being out in the sun, and this guy just pulled up and just starts cussing me, telling me how stupid and how sorry I am and things like that because I had kind of blocked the pump. They were at a gas station, and, and uh, it kind of escalated, but it came under control. And in the end, what came out of it, this is what's awesome, not the guy 
cussing and all that. But in the end, Jonathan said, man, the Lord showed me how much I had grown. And he said, I told River, River, that just shows that that man's hurting. There's something on the inside of him that's hurting. And that's why he's responding that way. And he said, you know what we need to do? We need to pray for him. And River said, if I'm not, you tell me if I'm, River said, I'll pray for him. Is that right? River said, I'll pray for him, Dad. Come on. See, that's light. That's not looking at how bad, that's not cursing that person for cursing him. That's saying, you know what? We're called to be a light. They don't know. But we're called to be a light. And instead of saying, that guy was just an idiot, what he said is, man, that guy's hurting. We need to pray for him. And River said, let me pray for him. Huh? See, that's a difference. That's a shift. Only the Lord can do that. Because when you're caught up on you and you're consumed with you, all you see is what somebody did to you. Oh, you don't hear me. <laughs> is this thing on? <laughs> and he said this. He said, so I prophesied, verse 7, as I was commanded, as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no, no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Man. Prophesy to the breath. What is that? Why is that important? When God created Adam and Eve, he formed them from the dust of the earth, right? He formed Adam, and we talked about this other. He took Eve out of Adam, and uh, he breathed into Adam, and, and breathed in what? The breath of life. He breathed his spirit into them. Then, when they sinned, it says that they died. The Spirit of God left because sin had entered in. The Spirit of God left. Now, they could have, throughout the Old Testament, you could see the Spirit of God come upon somebody to empower them to do something. Kings, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them, but he couldn't live inside of them. Are you with me? He could be upon, but he couldn't be inside. He could empower, but he couldn't, he couldn't change uh, the nature of who they are because Jesus had to pay for sin. So in the Old Covenant, you see the Spirit upon, but in... When Jesus came in John's gospel, right before he ascended, it says his disciples were gathered, and he, it says he breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. See, tradition says they received the, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Well, either tradition's wrong or Jesus is wrong. What do you think? Because my Bible tells me that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he put back in them what they had lost, which is what? The breath of God. He breathed on them and they received. Now, on the day of Pentecost, what happened is they were filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. What we charismatics like to call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was in. We're the temple of the living God. Paul said that in Corinthians. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God? But he said, in that day, your spirit will be poured out upon you. You'll just be covered in him. That's good. And in that day, he said, you'll do what? You'll prophesy. Come on, somebody help me. You'll prophesy here in Ezekiel 37. He said, prophesy. How can we prophesy? Because we have the breath of God in us. I remember the first time that we sang that song, Great Are You, Lord, and Chris Foote had a word. 
And she said, I've been sitting there, and the Lord told me, he said, I've put my breath in you. It's time for you to let it out. Huh? As believers, his breath is in us. So we can look at the dry bones, and we can talk about how dry they are. Or we can look at the dry bones, and we can declare the life of God. Because that's what his breath is. It's the life of God. We can declare the life of God in that circumstance. We can declare the life of God in that situation. Can it change? Oh, yes, it can change. It can shift. And, you know, we say this a lot. I heard Benny Johnson say, shift happens. Shift happens. And we believe that around here. I believe that we, in faith, when we have heard from the Lord and we are walking in covenant with Him, in love with Him, that there's an authority placed on our life, not because of how well we walk, but because of how well Jesus was, His sacrifice was. That we carry in us the the power of death and life in the tongue. And we can release death over people or we can release life over people. Amen. And he, here, in the Old Covenant, I think is a type, is all it is. He said, prophesy the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. An exceedingly great army. That's my heart's desire. Because you know what? We live among a bunch of dead people. One way or the other. As a born-again believer, we died with him and we've been resurrected into new life. For those who don't know Jesus as Savior, they're dead in sin. That's encouraging, isn't it? Everybody around you is dead. (laughs) But you know what's good about it? That in him is life. Huh? So we have to make a choice. Where are we going to set our attention? Are we going to look at death and darkness? Are we going to become light and life? How do I become? Just by making agreement with what's already been done. Isn't that awesome? That's the way that he did it. That he made it so simple for us. Maybe not for you, for me. He made it so simple for me. That I can look to him and know that my trust is in him and that what he's placed in me is life. And I can live from that position, not to get, but from what's given. This is what Paul said in Romans 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Literally means into salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17 says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what is he saying? He said, is that I am not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel of Christ? It's the good news that though man, though man was a sinner and separated from God, Jesus came and paid the price. Not just so we could go to heaven, that so we could be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and live a life here that's full of His presence. Not just when we get to heaven, do you hear me? Here, here and now. That's what His desire is. He said this, that the gospel, the true gospel, is the power of God into, says unto, same word as into, salvation. 
It's the power of God into salvation. You know what's so awesome about that? Here's what I know. The love of God and the goodness of God is bigger than any stronghold that holds somebody. It's bigger than any bondage they have, any mistake they've made. The love and the grace of God, the gospel, the good news, it has the power to set them free. It has the power to set you free from whatever it is. It has the power to set you free. But the only way we'll enjoy that freedom is that we look to his truth over what we would call facts. Are you with me? Why is that important? Listen, John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 says this. I'm going to uh, bring this to a close, so I'm going to speed it up a little bit. I've been going slow. <laughs> Ephesians 4.20 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have learned him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Where's the truth? John 17.17 says, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said that. Jesus is the truth. He's the word that was uh, in John 1. says, In the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. So here in 17.17, he said, You'll know the truth, and, and the truth will what? Set you free. The truth is what sets you free. As you know truth, then the lies of the enemy can't hold you in bondage anymore. Are you with me? So if there are areas in our life where there's fear, there's an area that we've believed a lie. Because perfect love casts out fear. So if there's an area of fear in our lives, there's an area of, of in our life that we have not received the life and the love of God that casts out that fear. That's not condemning. That's just locating. You with me? The stuff he's been teaching me, and it's been really good to me personally. He said this, but uh, you've not so learned Christ, verse 21, Ephesians 4, but if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So how was your new man created? As an old sinner that's just waiting to be saved? No. He said your new man was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's how he created you. That's a good word right there. Jesus is truth. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to obey? Are we going to agree with facts? Or are we going to agree with truth? Now here's the thing. Agreeing with truth doesn't mean that we deny facts. It just means we deny their right to have place in our life. It's not denial. Believing truth is not denial. It's not saying, oh, I don't have this thing going on in my body. I don't have this thing going on in my body. I don't have this thing going on in my body. What it says is there's a thing going on in my body, but the Word of God says by His stripes, I was healed. And that truth supersedes that fact. And as we rest in his finished work, as we rest in what he has accomplished already. You know, the email I sent out this week, I'll talk about it and I'll close. The email I sent out this week, it talked about the rest out of Hebrews chapter 4. It said there remains a rest for the children of God. In context, that rest that he's talking about was the Sabbath rest because it said the Lord, you know what? If you didn't get my email, you should. It's good. 
this one was really good to me because it ministered to my heart. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, not Ephesians, Hebrews. Y'all be looking for you say, that is not in Ephesians chapter 4. You'd be right, it's not. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. Look, look at this. Just, and, and I said say law on this in my email. For we who have believed do enter into that rest. And again, he's talking about the Sabbath rest. As he has said, I, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And it says that again later in here, uh, in the same passage. Um, It says that we enter rest and we cease from our works just as he did his. That we don't work for, we work from. But what was so powerful about that to me is it said, you know, Revelation says that he's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Well, here in Hebrews 4, he said this rest that God has created for us, he established before the earth. And he entered into that rest before the earth was created. What's that saying? Man's sin didn't take him by surprise. Man's sin didn't take him by surprise. Before man was created, he had a plan. And he completed that plan. Because that's how the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So what that says is this. If he did that, then no matter what mistake you've made, he's got it covered. He's got it covered because every one of your sins... You know, we hear this all the time. Well, this... (laughs) Well, Jesus died for your sin before you were born, so you better hope he had him covered. I got one better than that. He was slain before the world was here. In the heart of God, he had already sacrificed his son before Adam ever breathed breath. Do you hear me? I want you to understand the depths of God's love. Before he breathed breath into the man that he knew would be the cause of his son's death, he loved us enough and breathed breath into him. Oh, man, that's good news right there. Because no matter what the enemy may say to try to disqualify you, we have to make a choice. Am I going to prophesy the life of God or am I going to prophesy the facts? He told Ezekiel, he said, son of man, you say something. And I tell you, sons of God, we're all sons. Don't take offense, ladies. I'm also the bride of Christ. When you get it all figured out, we'll be with Jesus. But we are sons of God, heirs according to the promise. You know, I, well, I believe he said sons because it was the sons who were in the place of authority. It was the sons who would receive the inheritance. God's not caught up in gender. In Galatians, he said, there's no male nor female. There's no Jew nor Greek. There's no bond nor free. What was he saying? It doesn't matter what sex you are. No, what he was saying is, if you really find yourself, as the word that Rochelle had, in him, that strong tower, then you're not looking to make a name for you or your sex or your gender, if you will. What you're doing is to make him famous. And you won't be agenda-driven will be driven by genuine love for the Lord and for others. Amen? Let's stand.
Father, my heart's desire today is that we, your body, truly get greater revelation understanding of the relationship that we have with you. That, Father, we would not be agenda-driven, that we would not be project-driven. Lord, whether it be, pray, we want to see the sick healed, Lord, that they don't become a project that they, become, they stay a person whom you love and paid a great price for. Whether it be an unsaved loved one or co-worker or a friend, that they don't become a project that we can just say they got born again, but they, they become the object, they are the object of your love and they become the same to us. And that every time we're around them, we're looking for an opportunity to display your love. Not to condone sin, but to, to display love that covers sin. So, Father, I thank you for opportunities this week. God, I believe you would not have put this word in my heart if you weren't going to give us opportunities this week. God, help us be conscious of praying for those in authority over us, as your word says. To guarding our tongue and declaring life over them, Father God. For those that we work with that seem dark to us, Lord. I thank you that you've empowered us to be light. And Lord, as we bless you, as we honor you, I thank you that glory and power is poured through us to the world around us. Your glory, your manifest presence. There, Nowhere in scripture did your glory come and it was dark. <laughs> it was always light. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, align our hearts with your love so clearly that our agenda, even our good agendas, Lord, we lay at the cross and we declare them dead, that our only agenda is to hear from heaven. As Jesus said in John 5, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. We see that he went out, and the Bible says next that he was moved with compassion. Not an unction to see someone born again. He was moved with your love. And I thank you, Lord, that when we are moved by your love, we move. That we do something with what you're doing, what you're saying in us. And God, I thank you that there's not a name in this world that's greater than your name. Philippians said, you exalted him, God, and gave him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every sickness, every disease has to bow. Every sin, every lifestyle, every struggle, every bondage has to bow. I thank you, Lord, that as we walk as light, that the broken are healed. The oppressed are set free. We declare, Lord, greater is he that is in us 